Well, kia ora, everyone. Welcome on to Seeds Podcast. This is a short little episode, which is an extract of a conversation that I had with Rory Brickbeck from Safe Surfer. He joined me on the latest Impact Call, which is a monthly thing that I've been doing for a couple years now, and he shared with us all about what he's doing with that initiative. So this isn't a typical interview where I talk for like 45 minutes or an hour. Instead, it's more like a snippet from Rory talking about what they're doing at Safe Surfer. So let's dive straight into it. One of the reasons for the call is that we get to hear diverse perspectives. And so we're going to jump now um, from Ming Fun talking about race relations and the, and, the, and the plan, the National Action Plan, to Rory Brickbeck from Safe Surfer. So Rory, I'm not going to give you a massive introduction because you can do that yourself, but we've known each other a couple of years now, and I've been really following the progress of what you're doing in your initiative, and also, I guess, behind the scenes, providing some legal support to you as well. So I know more than most people would, but assuming nobody knows what you're doing, can we have the download from you on the, the particular area that you're focused on and how you're going about doing it? Thank you very much. Yeah, kia ora, Stephen, and, and kia ora, everyone. Um, yeah, so what is Safe Surfer? Safe Surfer is really a mission. So it's a mission to protect the mental health of younger generations. Um, and we really do this in, in three ways. So we do it through technology, education, and advocacy. I think there's just so much going on for, for young people online, as you know, as I think we'd all agree. And most importantly, you know, we just need to have a lot of empathy for young people. You know, um, there is a huge struggle. And so I just, I have this kind of this message of just like, you matter. Like that's one of the most important things we need to say to young people, because as you can imagine, the online world is um, is extremely different to what we had when we grew up. And so, you know, you've got uh, social media and this whole generation of like them just trying to come to terms with, uh, who am I? What's my importance in the world? And so I just think that that message of you matter is so important. Um, and also, I just believe that this this generation is going to be the generation that rises above all of that as well. You know, and there's a huge resilience that's kind of coming through. So, uh, yeah, I guess in, in terms of Safe Surfer and the role we play in that mission for uh, protecting young people in their mental health is those three ways I mentioned. So technology so we provide a technology um, platform, but really what it is, is it's about uh, being able to provide parents with kind of cues, I guess, when their young people are online and, and the different things that they might encounter. And so we see sort of that education piece uh, tied very closely to the technology. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really, I guess, about having just an idea of what's going on in their lives, you know, because if we know what's going on in their lives, then... Uh, we can start to have some really robust conversations with them. And so, you know, we, we at Safe Surface started really early. So one of the things we released was this kids book called um, Keeping Safe in the Web with Cola Kingfish, just as an example of the education. And so, you know, I believe that online education needs to start, you know, literally from uh, when we're teaching kids about water safety, really, and the same kind of messages really need to apply to both the online world and um, the, the world that our kids are, are, are growing up in. So really it's kind of um, like it's been an amazing book to go through even with my kids just to know that they're, they're ready before they even get devices in their hands. And so I guess that's kind of the mission is to, to try and 
help everybody with that as well, you know. So taking it from when your first your kids are first going online, right through their journey of uh, of being online um, as a young person. And so, you know, I think that uh, as they kind of get older, there's, you know, we want to start reducing those controls um, as parents. And so there's just a really kind of key age where we can put in those parental cues, we can kind of have a look at those um, those habits that young people have got, and then we can start to sort of dive in and have those conversations. So that's what our platform does. Um, it's sort of really about that kind of um, just knowledge of, I guess, as a parent and giving you that kind of peace of mind and exactly what's going on for your for your kids. The um, the other part to it, I guess, is um, the the kind of the advocacy piece as well. So, um, you know, why did I start Safe Surface six years ago? Um, you know, it was really to try and give kids um, just the, the safety that they deserve. You know, I just genuinely believed that it didn't exist. And I guess I was crazy enough to try and do something about it. So we, we put together Safe Surfer and we kind of rolled it out as like a basic protection, which was picked up, you know, kind of around the world and, and you know, kind of 120 countries. Etc. But um, I guess what I noticed is that um, there was just a lot broken in terms of online safety, or or just in general in the online world. And so there's this analogy now of of the car seat. So basically, the idea is is that or seatbelt rather. So when um, you know cars first came out, they didn't have seatbelts, uh, and there were all these kind of car crashes that were happening. And then, you know, obviously we, we all wear car, we all wear seatbelts now and we all have this awesome level of safety in terms of, um, on the roads. But that just doesn't, where we are with the online world is we're still kind of back in the place without seatbelts or we feel like we're kind of just starting to get seatbelts. And so if you look at like even like the, the Christchurch, uh, attacks and, and the live stream that happened, you know, and kind of took over our internet and went through to our kids, uh, you know, and, and they saw it. Um, that was kind of an example of that, that car, street, car seat illustration. And so um, there's just so much going on over the last six years um, where regulators are just trying to keep up. They're trying to keep up. They're trying to um, keep up with this innovation and this technology. Um, and it's And it's been really hard. And part of that is because Safety hasn't been baked in to the platforms themselves when they were first built. Um, and so a lot of the fallout we're seeing is because of that. Um, and so I guess there's a lot of online safety regulation starting to come in, which is which is really awesome. Um, and the likes of the eSafety Commissioner in Australia are really starting to drive that. Uh, you know, there's there's some good conversations happening here in New Zealand as well. And globally, there's a huge kind of conversation happening right across the board. But um, I guess for us, like where, where we sit with SafeSurfer is I've just noticed that the standards aren't quite there. So the expectations of what our internet service providers should be doing is not quite there. Um, and there's just a lot more that we could be doing to protect our own kids outside of even those big social media platforms, which uh, you know are now starting to be fined by these regulators. So I think that there's still a, a key piece that we need to play and so one of the parts that our technology does is it basically provides a really easy way for ISPs to pick up the technology and use it across their platform. Um, so we've got 
um, you know, one IC here in the New Zealand called the Good Source. And so we really see that as kind of raising the standard for what every ISP should offer. And it's quite hard to explain, I guess, you know, where the gaps are. But, um, you know, if you look across child sexual abuse material, um, extreme violence um, and terrorism and, and some of those kind of broader categories, they're, they're really not hitting any kind of a decent bar. And so we need to be able to say to an ISP, you can offer a voluntary filter so that anybody can go in, they can switch it on, and then they get this um, really democratized version of the internet, you know, where they decide what they want um, and what they don't want for their kids. And so at the moment, it's a real struggle for parents because they don't have that easy switch on option. Um, and so, you know, I think that that's really what I sort of noticed as well about six years ago when I jumped on uh, an ISP. And it just so happened that, you know, I knew a young person who had, had been through a bit of a journey and they were just curious about like, you know, the topic of sex, they put it into the search engine and then next thing, you know, they've been educated about, about porn. And so I think that there is, um, there's just a, a lot more we can do. And I, the kind of the education um, is, is just a really, really key part to it, um, which is why we're, you know, we're so passionate about um, encouraging and finding ways for parents to have those conversations but also that kind of bigger conversation of how can we um, make the internet more safe? You know, how can we make the internet more clean? Um, and yeah, I guess there's, there's kind of been this, uh, just this real journey of technology. And it's really that, that enablement of technology, which, um, you know, those funders that we've had and the impact investors that we've had have kind of enabled this, this Kiwi technology to come to life. And so we've done a, a huge amount of work over the last six years to make sure that this is a platform which is not like, you know, the, the typical platforms that you would have got in the past where, uh, you know, you, you just, you know, you're not quite happy with it or whatever. And so there's just a lot of robustness to it, I guess, that, um, you know, we, we would really like to see everyone using. That's great. Thank you for sharing. That's it's really cool to hear about the initiative. And on a practical level, then though, you know, as a parent of children, <laughs> hmm. the way it would work is that people can go to the site, they can subscribe, or that you know they can have a a membership, and then your app or your software will help to filter out certain sites. Is that the the gist of it? Yeah, that's right. So it's pretty much like having, you, you know, your phone book. If you take your, your phone book and you, you kind of cut out all of the, you know, the, uh, the phone numbers you don't want to dial um, or you don't want your kids to dial, then that, that's pretty much it. I mean, obviously, the kind of the, the manipulation um, that goes on online just leads our kids into certain places, which makes it, you know, even more important, I guess, than ever. But yeah, from a practical note, it's really there's two kind of parts to consider. There's your home Wi-Fi that you need to cover and there's the devices as your kids go out and about. And so those are really the, the two key areas of concern as a parent. And I guess what happens is the, the home Wi-Fi um, can, can be really easily sorted. You know, if ISPs have a really decent solution to switch on at that point. Um, and then the, you know, the mobile devices out and about uh, you know, we've got apps that you can download and you can put that on. 
But again, it would be great to see mobile operators be able to put it through their networks. Um, so, you know, it, it just sort of, I guess where we want to see it is that uh, filtering um, kind of becomes like, uh, you know, um, filtered water. So we just, filtered water is kind of everywhere and we just want to see filtered internet like that. And we, we recognize there's some challenges, uh, you know, but we have basically overcome all the kind of the technical hurdles in terms of, of the democratized side of it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, in the, in the, um, the meeting chat, there's links to your site and uh, there's links to the information on the book as well. So people can click that. And if they want to reach out to you now, you know, they've kind of met you virtually. So <laughs> I, I'm always thinking that this sort of opportunity, it's like, okay, where's the collaboration or where's the potential way that we could help to lift up this initiative? You know, maybe by including it within a newsletter that you're involved in, something like that. So it could be simple like that. Um, and Roy, I just have a question. You know, you've you've gone down the road of having impact investors come in. You know, as an entrepreneur, um, what's that been like? Because um, some people who are listening or joining, they've kind of gone down the charity road. You know, like getting donations and grants and things. Any thoughts on the differences between those? Yeah. Um, so obviously we started down the down the charity road as well. And, and, you know, we still have a charitable trust. But I think the key thing that I noticed in the switch, um, you know, obviously having the right impact investors is, is key. And we're, you know, we're very fortunate with that. Um, but the other side of it from a kind of a, a technology perspective, when you're looking at impact at a, at a wide scale, is that when you're a company, you get access to things that charities don't get access to. So you get access to R&D from the government. You know, you get access to um, NZTE, uh, you know, and so there's a lot of um, wraparound support that you get in that kind of for-purpose mission um, that you just don't get, get as a charity. Yeah, and that's really helpful because I think it's a, it's a growing question I'm getting from people who set up charities, which is ultimately we're about impact and we're about purpose. And the vehicle that we use to achieve that is secondary. Like we want to have the maximum impact we can. Therefore, we're a charity now, but maybe we could actually do something where we get an investor to come in and invest into a particular project or a particular initiative, a social housing thing or a whatever it is. Um, so it's mm. just good to help broaden people's understanding that you can be agnostic as to the entity type and even the charitable status or not. If you if there's an opportunity, you know, explore it fully. And then like you found, you started down the charity road and then actually you've you've kept it, but you've pivoted a bit as well to look at impact investing. Yeah, I think the key is the mission lock, you know, and that's something that you guys really helped us with. So once you've got your your mission lock in place, um, you know, then you it doesn't really matter what kind of entity you're going down, you know, because the heart behind it is the same and the people you're getting on the bus are the same. Yeah, that's right. It's uh it's it sounds boring, but getting your legal structure right and getting your purposes clear is, you know, it's like that northern star, like where are we headed? 
and this is how we're going. Um, yeah, it's it's really good. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's awesome. Um, if there's any questions that people have, they can reach out to you or put them in the chat. Uh, that since you've raised it, that business as a force for good. Um, for those of you who don't know, this came out um, now about a year ago. It's um, laying foundations for reimagining business. And this is a series of essays and things that I wrote for stuff and spinoff and other publications. And it's really just asking questions about like, what could business be if we reimagined it? Um, so I'm sure that Sophie is about to drop a link in the um, in the chat because I see her typing away there. And there you go. Um, and that's just a download, like a PDF. If you're interested, you're welcome to have that. I do have some physical copies if if you're more of a having a book type of person. So just let me know if you're interested. I'm happy to send some out. Um, great. Well, thank you so much, Rory and, and Meng Fun. We really appreciate both of your insights. Um, I think the purpose of these calls, as I said at the start, is just to hear different perspectives from people doing good work across the country. Um, so often we end up focusing in on our initiatives and I get encouraged by hearing stories like the ones we've heard because as well as the work I'm doing, I can think now for the rest of the day, at least. Rory's off there. He's doing some pretty good stuff. Meng Foon, he's, he's off there doing some amazing things as well. And I get encouraged by that because sometimes the mahi and the work can be all consuming. And we forget that there's other like-minded people out there also doing work, maybe in a different area, maybe in a completely different focus, but we are all pulling in the same direction, I think. So that's encouraging to me. I hope it's encouraging to you as well. So what we're going to do is I'm going to stop the recording now, um, and then I'm going to send us to breakout rooms for anybody who would like to, because I don't like this just to have been like a, I watched something. I would love for you to get the chance to talk to a real live person and to maybe hear about what they're doing, and look for collaboration. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Roy Brickbeck from SafeSurfer. If you want to check out more, then look at the link in the show notes. I know this wasn't a long-form interview like my normal conversations are, but I thought it was helpful. Until next time!